Welcome to the Bike Pack Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike travel. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world, hear fantastic stories of their journeys. Through both mine and my guests' experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike travel and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. I want to thank Panorama Cycles, Redshift Sports, Restrap, Race Day Fuel, and Brockman Cyclery for supporting Bike Pack Adventures and helping to keep me on the bike. Check out the show notes for more information about these amazing companies. Thanks and keep on pedaling. Welcome to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. I'm your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you will be able to learn the ins and outs of bike touring and bike packing. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world, hear fantastic stories of their journeys, and through both mine and my guest experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike touring or bikepacking and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. If you're already an experienced bike tourer or bikepacker, I hope that my guest stories allow you to relive some of your own experiences and give you a good laugh or two along the way. In the meantime, enjoy the show and keep on pedaling. Hey there, welcome back to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. As you know, my name is Chris Panaski, and it's great to be back with you guys. This episode is a ridecast, so it's actually more of a talk and a breakdown of a route I've recently ridden. And although not the longest route, it's a it's a really worthwhile to talk about because it's a it's a, a fantastic little rail trail that's been around for years and Somebody messaged me and said the best rail trail in North America, and they were an American. So I was like, wow, people know about it down there too. So that's pretty awesome. So the Petit Train du Nord, which is the little train of the north, it is 200 kilometers in length. And in recent years, they've added 32 kilometers. So uh, we'll talk more about that. And it goes from St. Jerome, which is just north of Montreal and Laval, up to Mont Laurier, so Mount Laurier. And Mont Laurier is about three hours from where I live, north of me. And Montreal's like an hour and 45 minutes or so east. So, yeah, it's kind of like a big triangle in reference to where I live. Anyway, so we decided this would be our first family bike touring route that we would do as a as a means of learning to ride together, learning to figure out what we need to prepare to ride effectively when pulling a chariot with a baby, and as well to test out the dog packing system I've come up with, which I used a lot of stuff from uh, John and Mira. So if you if you know of them, they are um, 
He's a YouTuber who is doing a world tour with his dog. And rather than using a trailer, he uses a basket on the back of his bike. So I, I did that and it worked out really well. So I've got to say that um, it took Indigo a little bit of time to get used to riding in a basket. She did uh, try to jump out once and kind of caught herself up. Luckily, she didn't get caught in the tire um, or the wheel, I should say. Um, at first, I used a little bit of a, I used a, a strap to keep her in so tied her the collar on her or the the front hook or loop on her harness but as she got used to it i got rid of that just for safety reasons you know like because i noticed she's not jumping out so it's not too big a deal um even if she's anxious or barking at somebody she was staying in in the basket um so anyways let's talk about the route uh the route we decided to ride it in reverse direction so starting in mont laurier and then heading towards Montreal and we arrived on day one really late in the afternoon tomorrow Laurier so we decided to uh, just do a short 14 kilometers from Mont Laurier to Val Barret which is not very far 14 kilometers is really really little another thing that we did um, to to make things easier for us and so that we're not traveling with everything we need and we could keep bring more stuff with us is we traveled with the SUV uh, pulling our small trailer. We have a 17 foot trailer. And the reason we did this is we weren't really sure what things we would need for the baby and what we wouldn't need. And same thing with the dog and how much stuff to carry. And we kind of figured that this was a great way to, to be able to ride every day and yet sleep somewhere comfortable have the things that we need. Um, you know, we, we, our baby's only just turned eight months old now. So she was about seven and a half months at the time. And, you know, you're just not sure how much clothes you need or how much different foods or what she needs to have, you know? So by, by having the trailer just kind of gave us a, a little home away from home where we can kind of organize every day. And the fun part about that was that every day we would ride as a family to a location and then I would turn around and I'd have a chance to ride like a maniac back to the last place to pick up the vehicle, which was nice for me. It was really nice to be able to just, you know, pound some gravel or pavement, I should say, since it was mostly paved rail trail and uh, listen to a podcast, listen to music, just me and my dog and, and go for it. So I did that. So in total, I rode about 400 kilometers and my wife and sister-in-law and the baby rode about 200 kilometers. So, yeah, uh, we started Mont Laurier. First day we rode to Val Barret. Uh, really nice. It's it's mostly paved. The whole northern half of this rail trail, more than half, is actually paved. So it's super comfortable to ride on and, um, and in extremely good condition. And so we rode in day one, just 14 kilometers to Val Barret, as I mentioned. I went and picked them up, and then we went back to Mont Laurier because Mont Laurier actually has an RV camping spot at City Hall that is free. So in the back parking lot of the City Hall, there's a free RV camping parking lot, and that's pretty awesome. So we were able to use that to our advantage. Now, to talk about the bikes, um, for this trip... I was using my Chiru divider and even though it was way overkill for in the sense of like it's a mountain bike, full full rigid mountain bike, but 
definitely not really necessary on this trail, but it could accommodate a rear rack. So that's why I had it. I had a old man mountain rack um, that I got through my sponsors, uh, Brockton Cyclery. And on that, I then mounted the plywood and big basket thing to, to the rack so I could carry the dog. And that worked out really well. And that old man mountain rack is awesome because it can be flipped around and put on the front of your bike if you want that. There's an attachment you can buy so that it hooks up right through to your through axles, which then allow you to carry up to 70 pounds with it. I think right now it's 75 pounds maybe. Hooked to the, you know, where the screw points are, they say that the the weight restriction is 55 pounds. Well, my dog weighs 35, so it's pretty good. Even with the plywood and basket and everything, it's, it's not that much. So worked out really, really well. And on top of that, for my bike, on day one, I had my restrap top tube and frame bag, as well as two, uh, not canister bags, the feed bags. That's what I was trying to think of. But uh, for day two and on, I, I took off the feed bags because it was just overkill for me for how much stuff I needed to carry. I In the frame bag, I carried tools and spare tire or tubes Sorry for, for all the bikes. And... In the top two bag, I had like a power bank, earbuds, some sunscreen, and just, you know, that normal stuff. So pretty much that was all I needed day in, day out. Anything more than that I had with me in the SUV, such as like a little torque wrench and a little bit bigger set of Allen keys and stuff rather than having to use a little tiny mini tool. So yeah, that worked out really, really well. I um, I used that. And then on the girls' bikes, I put some older bike packing bags I have from 2020. So it was it really worked out well, and we didn't have to have a ton of bags because you know equipping three bikes is definitely a, can be a challenge. I can fully equip two bikes, but three is pushing it because I just don't have that much gear. So um, the way we did this trip worked out really well in that sense, and we didn't have to carry a bunch of stuff in the baby stroller. Day two from Val Barret, we rode to Nominang, which I think is how you pronounce it. It's a, it's a beautiful little town where. Uh, the old rail station has really been nicely converted. So there's like washroom facilities. There's electric plug-in in the parking lot. So I assumed that that meant I could park there overnight. So we did. There was also a hose with fresh water for refilling uh, RV water tanks, I guess. They also had an information center, a tourist information booth, and everything inside the old station, which was really, really cool. Some of the some of the towns along the way, it's a restaurant, cafes. Um, it's one of the really nice things about the Petit Train du Nord is that, like I would say, every twenty kilometers in the southern part and every maybe thirty thirty five in the northern part, there's a town where you have everything you need from camping spots, uh, campgrounds, hotels, wild camping spots if that's what you're into. Yeah, so everything is accessible. It's really really great. And every day I would just leapfrog back to where we left the SUV, grab that, start taking my dog with me because she would just bark at too many people otherwise. And uh, we had a, some alone time, you know, and she would run with me, sit behind me, and I would just pet her on the head as, as I'm riding with one hand. Yeah, so day three, we reached Mont Tremblant and decided to have an off day there. I mean, I had already planned it. It was going to be my wife and I's fourth anniversary. So... Out of four anniversaries, two of them have been spent on bike tours, which is really cool in my mind. Uh, it shows that we're, you know, we're a fairly adventurous couple. And 
Uh, I would definitely like to get that up uh, to, to three out of five uh, next, but we'll see what happens next year. And um, yeah, we took a day off from Mont Tremblant because Mont Tremblant is a really nice place uh, if you have time. Uh, it was definitely more challenging for us with the baby and the dog. And so we didn't go up the mountain to hike anything. We just took a, took a rest day. But in Tremblant Village, where the ski resort is, there's all kinds of activities you can do if that's your thing. There's zip lining. There is like go-karting down the mountains. There, You can take the gondola up to go take pictures and do things like that and hike down if you want or take the gondola back. There's all kinds of awesome stuff, including mountain biking in the region, but I didn't do any this time because I've done lots in Mont Tremblant before. And we, uh, we stayed two nights at a campground um, with all the facilities, so that was quite cool, too. And it had a nice little beach on uh, Rivière du Diable, I think it's called, Devil's River. And, yeah, it was just a nice, nice, good old time. On the Wednesday, we, we left really late. We left just after checkout, 12 o'clock-ish. And we went and parked somewhere outside the campground where we could continue on our ride and... Um, started making our way south so until you get to Mont Tremblant nowhere along the ways is there any signs that say no dogs as you get closer to Mont Tremblant all of a sudden there are signs that say no dogs allowed I think it's kind of bullshit because dog is man's best friend and who else would you rather travel with uh maybe your wife and kids but you know dogs dogs right up there too and I don't see why a dog wouldn't be allowed. So I, that was my, my kind of concern. And although we'd been talked to by one volunteer patrol person in further north on day two, and that's when we found out you weren't really allowed dogs, we, we just decided we're going to move on anyways, keep going. And um, when we get to areas that are populated, I would keep the dog in the basket just to, to minimize, you know, negative encounters. So the only time she really ran with me was in the mornings for a bit once we're out of town. Um, and then off and on throughout the day for, for little jaunts, but nothing too crazy. She she spent a lot of time riding in the basket, which I think for the dog was just as fun, just to have the wind blowing through her face. Yeah, and then we made our way down to St. Jerome. We took a day off. Uh, it was going to rain all day. We were in St. Agathe de Mont. And uh, roughly, uh, let me check the map here, but I would say it's like 40% of the way from Mont Tremblant to St. Jerome, so... Yeah, so we took a day off there because it was going to rain all day. But then we actually decided to ride later in that evening when it cleared up. And we thought, you know, it's really nice out. Why don't we we ride like 20, 30 kilometers? Uh, we were going to just do 20. And then it turned out to be 30 just because the way the rail trail was so far away from civilization and from roads and places where the girls could sit and wait for me to go back and get the vehicle. So we made our way to St. Adele where they could sit at Tim Hortons away from the mosquitoes and stuff while I cycled back to get the car. So that worked out really well. And the beautiful thing about that is St. Adele is like six minutes from St. Sauveur and St. Mont St. Sauveur, which is a big ski hill in Quebec. One of the bigger ones in the region after Mont Tremblant has free parking at city hall as well for RVs. So we went there and we parked for the night and had a great little spot and got up the next morning and finished the quest and got to St. Jerome ultimately deciding to head back home rather than spend a weekend in Montreal. But that partly that was due to the forecast. It was going to be like 40 degrees both Saturday and Sunday, which is really hot in Canada. So from there, we just headed home. And that was the end of our 200 kilometers, 400 for me. The bikes all worked perfectly. So what we, what I, I didn't mention that my, my sister-in-law was, did I even mention my sister-in-law? I think I meant to. Anyways, this trip was done with myself, my sister-in-law, my wife, and our baby and the dog. So 
my sister-in-law was using a mountain bike that I was given by a friend, uh, a really small one, extra small size that I had repaired and tried to get working as best I can. And it's pretty good. It's not a, it's not a modern high end mountain bike, but it's a, it's an older one from like the nineties or something. And it's pretty good. It's decent. And my wife was using my old mountain bike because I bought it when people were riding undersized bikes and it's a little bit oversized for her, but I shortened the stem, chopped the seat post a bit so it could go a little bit lower and um, she's pretty comfortable on it. So she's going to be using that for the foreseeable future because it's a good bike. Anyhow, that is our experience. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to do like a little micro interview with my sister-in-law who is living with us and a little micro interview with my wife to talk about traveling with a baby. And just to get their perspectives and share their experiences along the route. So in the meantime, I shall pause this and get them set up. Before continuing on with the show, I'd like to thank Panorama Cycles for sponsoring this podcast. Panorama Cycles is a bicycle manufacturer in Quebec, Canada, dedicated to backcountry cyclists that prefer gravel, snow, and off-road trails. They believe cycling is a catalyst for adventures of all sizes, and that there's no need to travel across the world or to be a seasoned athlete to live epic outdoor adventures. Over the past year, I've been riding the Chickshocks fat bike, the Katadin gravel bike, and the Taiga mountain bike. From everyday rides, bikepacking trips, and a multitude of races and events, these bikes have put a huge smile on my face every step of the way, while also getting me on the podium on the Wendigo Ultra fat bike race and helped me set an FKT on the Canadian Shield 400. In partnering up with the Bikepack Adventures podcast, Panorama Cycles also wants to give back to the cycling community, particularly you, the listeners of the podcast. By using the promo code BPA10 when purchasing a new bike from PanoramaCycles.com, you'll save 10%. For more information on their environmental commitments or to check out their bikes, head to PanoramaCycles.com. Now back to the show. All right, so I'm with my sister-in-law, Genus, who uh, has recently immigrated to Canada. So why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Hello, everyone. I'm Genus, and I moved to Canada on July 8th, so it's not a long time. And here I am for a new adventure, a new start. And I had the chance to go on this great bike tour with Chris and my sister. And I'm ready for your questions. So did you have any prior bicycle experience? Oh, no. I don't call them experience. It was just some leisure activity. Like when I was a kid, I used to go bike riding with my dad and my sisters. But not something like real bike riding. No, mm. never. And what was your thoughts when we invited you on this bike tour? Uh, I was so excited. First of all, so because I knew that you do it like as a serious thing is how serious for you. Mm-hmm. So, And of course, I knew that we're going to be safe with you. And But the thing was, at first, I was kind of shocked when you said that. It's a 200 kilometer tour. And, yeah. And... Um, but I was down to it. I was ready for a new adventure, and I can say it was an awesome experience. Cool. And um, so I was going to ask you, what was it like to experience your first tour? But uh, maybe you can talk about, like, what were your expectations prior? Mm-hmm. And then what was, like, you know, the expectations versus reality? Oh, first of all, I have to say that I really didn't know, like, uh, for, like, how many kilometers are we going to cycle each day? So the first day we didn't cycle that much. It was just 16K. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, I could see that I was so tired even the first day. And then my sister told me that we're going to like go like for 30 kilometers or more 
each day and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to just <laughs> keep it to myself and don't say anything. So I know it's going to be hard for me. But as days passed, day after day, I saw the improvement and I was okay. And I think one day we went for 50 kilometer. I yeah? think we did, yeah. Yeah. And I was so proud that day. Yeah. And what were some of the challenges, things you had to overcome on this? Oh, uh, the challenges, first of all, was that I think you guys had the experience before and it was my first time. And I don't I didn't really want to be that nagger <laughs> and I wanted to be just someone that is um, accompanying you mm-hmm. and um, to keep up with the pace, of course. And one of the challenges for me was in Montremblant. If I pronounce it right. More or less, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was quite uphill and Mm -hmm. I could feel my quads burning. And I was just thinking of the downhill where, when do we get to the downhill? It was just something that I was repeating in my mind. And that was a challenge for me. Yeah, like leaving Mont the climb just went on forever and although it's a rail trail and they're typically not yeah. really steep it, a long climb is, is, is tough and, and it was mountainous so yeah. i just tried to focus on the nature around me and don't think about the path awesome yeah, yeah. and the other beautiful thing is every uphill has a downhill so it's yeah safe. the downhill was definitely the um, part were there any other enjoyed. things um challenges or things you had to overcome uh in the trip you mean yeah mm. The other challenges, oh, of course, if the sleeping in the trailer counts, of course, <laughs> that, was, privileged. Yeah, that was another <laughs> challenge for me, though it was a very nice place, but it was a little small, you know, <laughs> for Be- me. better than a tent, but of course, and there was no campsite, you know, yeah. so we didn't have access to showers and these things. So I think it was quite a challenge for me as a girl with curly hair that I need to wash mm, it like mm-hmm. every two days. <laughs> yeah. And, and for what she's going on too, it's because we were off grid camping a lot. We would, yeah. and I don't have a solar system installed on the trailer yet. We would run out of power and then we'd have no water, no nothing. Yeah. So, um, it might as well have been in the tent. It was the same thing. Well, it was good. It was still very good. And how did you find like your ass? Um, oh yeah, I can talk about that for the first day. Um, it was very sore. Though, um, although I got the biking shorts a day before the trip and my biking shorts were really good, but uh, I could still feel it. But as we continued, it was getting better and better. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the trip, I had no problem. Yeah. 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 I think it's the, it's just a matter of getting used to like sitting on your sit bones and yeah. not having all that. Like, and after adjusting my seat, mm-hmm. I think the height of my seat, everything got better. Yeah. All the, the little micro adjustments. What was your favorite thing about the tour? Uh, I can pick one favorite thing, mm-hmm. but there I can. What are some of the things you liked? Yeah, some of the things I liked. First of all, being with you guys. Um, after many years, I had the chance of traveling with my sister, mm-hmm. and of course my niece and you. And the other thing was and uh, indigo and indigo. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, indigo too. Yeah, as a family, we were all together. That was the best part, I think. And the other thing I liked is was it was that. I got to know Quebec a little more and I was so amazed to see many little towns, like Mm. how different each town was from the previous one. Yeah. So that was one of the things I really liked. Cool. And is bike touring something you could see yourself doing again? 
Yeah, I would love to try it again. Um, Next time, tents and sleeping bags and um, air mattresses? Not tents. I prefer the trailer, <laughs> but with hot water, ah, I can okay. say. But yeah, I would love to try it again. Maybe, yeah, even I'm okay with 200 kilometers. Sweet. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Genus. And I'm going to pause this again, and then I'm going to get my wife online. And next up is my lovely wife, Seema. And... Um, should we ask some of the similar questions? Tell us about yourself, Seema. Hi, everyone. I am Seema, Bike Tour Adventures wife. <laughs> That's how I introduce myself now. And my husband's a celebrity. This isn't Seema's first bike tour. So tell us about your last tour. And Last tour was three years ago in the summer. Chris and I, we cycled from Campville, just outside Ottawa, to Quebec City and back. I think altogether it was 1,037 kilometers. So surprised you remember that. Yeah, it's my first one, I remember. And um, and I didn't carry bags. Chris was the one who was carrying the bag. I was riding my um, folding bike with Birdie brand. And uh, we did some short days. Like, I think the first day we did only 60 kilometers. Which was more than we did on the longest day here on this one. Yeah, because this time we had a baby and a dog. And then on the way back from Quebec City, I was tired. I just wanted to be done and go home. So I think I did 120 or 130. Yeah, we did some really long days. Yeah. Long days in the rain. Yeah. Um, so... Tell us about, well, this tour was very different because we had a baby with us and a dog. What was it like to, to bike tour as a mother and, um, you know, having a baby with you? Well, I was constantly worried because I was not pulling the baby. You were pulling the baby. And I was like, oh, I know I trust Krista. He's a very good biker. And I know that it was a rail trail. There's no car or there's no vehicle. And I know the chance of having a crash was very, very low. But I was worried, like, what if the baby wakes up? What if she cries? And we weren't always biking so close to each other. Someone, sometimes Chris was so far in front of me, so I wouldn't know if she's crying or not. Mm. And um, I think the first or second day was a little, was uh, was more difficult and in terms of being worried but after that i got used to it i realized that she's actually safe and nothing would happen and most of the time she was really good and slept let's say she could you know for at least two hours every day the first two hours yeah, she, slept she actually really well. napped more than what she would nap at home yeah so the first couple of days were more worrisome and then things got better and you're less stressed yeah, and it actually got fun because people would see us with the dog and with the baby and then we would stop and they talk about it and they found it very interesting. I think some people didn't realize that the chariot was for the baby. They thought it was for the dog because mm. I've seen do people who are towing a trailer for their dog and then they suddenly see Jasmine in it and like, oh, you even have a baby and a dog. Wow, cool. So it was good conversation opener. So that's interesting because I didn't experience a lot of that because many of those times I think I would have been on the way back to get the car and you guys are maybe at a picnic table resting and waiting for me or something. Yeah, and also people we see on the trail that they would pass us and they would just like point at you. And even when we were on the roads and the intersections mm -hmm. crossing the road, I've seen like people like pulling their windows down in the car and they show you to each other. It's like, look, look. It's like mm -hmm. I could see like they were talking about us. 
Yeah, cool. I think I was daydreaming and I didn't notice half of these. <laughs> no, he was focused. He was a good daddy. And what about things like um, feeding the baby, dealing with all the normal baby stuff? Like how much did it impact or what kind of effect did that have on the tour? So first I had, so Jasmine, we breastfeed her and bottle feed both. And I had a, a formula with me in the, her chariot. So I was not planning to breastfeed. I wanted to give her more of the bottle. But we, I think we did it for the first day. But then quickly I realized breastfeeding is easier. So I don't have to be worried about mixing the formula. Mm-hmm. And if I have the ready liquid one, now I don't have anything to put it. I don't have a fridge or anything with me. So I think for the last few days, maybe I didn't even carry the formula I anymore. don't remember. Yeah. Um, it was just mm, breastfeed. And um, we just have like started giving her solid recently. So I couldn't also carry solid food for her because um, it wasn't easy. I think I should have a better plan next mm-hmm. time. Uh, I would give her solid at night when we camp. But during the day, she only had her milk. Okay. Yeah. And um, I, in a previous interview, I had interviewed a family that had two girls. And she said that she fed, breastfed both kids for like three years because a it's free it's so accessible it's very easy you don't have to worry about all the the managing of foods and especially with formula and stuff like food you still do but probably at the end of the day when you mm-hmm. that kind of thing we would carry her water bottle and give her her water bottle it's also something that distracts her and keeps her busy mm-hmm. and it was hot so it also hydrates her yeah and what did we were, were there any things that we did like you want to talk about um how we kept the baby cool and things like that and how we managed her own environment we bought a, a usb fan that we could charge and it had a clip on to it had a clip that you could it was like a big alligator clip type thing yeah so you could clip it to the stroller you can clip it to anything you could actually become even a desk fan and you put it in front of you when you're working and uh, so she had that it had different um speeds so um if it was too hot we would put it on the highest level and um i also always had a sunscreen on Although, like, she got burned still, even with the sunscreen. Well, it's not burned, tanned. Tanned, yeah. Well, it's okay. It's summer, baby. Yeah. And uh, for... um, So, the chariot is also fully um, rain-covered. So, if it was raining, we would have the rain cover. And it has a visor, too, to keep her out of the sun. But her feet would be out. So, I had, like, a little blanket that I would put on her feet so she won't get burned. Mm -hmm. What else did we do? Um, I always had an extra um, set of clothes, which I don't think I ever used, because when you're riding with the trailer, they're like dirt and gravel, like um, it kicks up, kicks yeah. up in, inside the trailer. So she was usually like a little bit dusty, but I didn't bother changing her clothes. Yeah, we just had a dirty baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and for that note too, we also had a helmet for her that she wore almost all the oh, time. Yeah. Important. I, I wasn't sure if it's how necessary it is because she's strapped into a chariot, but I thought it's good to have one and um, you never know what could happen. And do you want to talk about the oh, scariest incident? Yeah. So we had the helmet almost every day and she didn't like it, honestly. When she, we, we, Every time we put it on, she cried. But then after that, she got used to it. Like during the day, she would just even, even sleep for a couple of hours with the mm. helmet on. 
one day she was crying and i was like okay we're on a rail trail it's safe we don't need to put it on nothing has happened so far it was towards the end of the tour it's when we were arriving in saint agat yeah. was it okay so you remember better than me and then somehow something happened chris decided to take a shortcut huh? well the google maps showed um it showed this old unused road which is pretty beat up and rough and like you know washed out and stuff as the the bicycle route to get to where we were going to go to to camp um where the women, girls were going to wait for me to go back and get the car so we took it so we took it that day jasmine didn't have her helmet on the helmet was in the chariot but not on her head she also didn't have her flag because um I, w- I I wanted her to have that flag when she, we were on the streets mm-hmm. and where the cars are. So on that day we also rode on the streets. Yeah, we thought we thought oh yeah, we're not <laughs> We thought we're not using the flag. We don't need it. We're only on rail trail. Oh, the helmet, you know, we're just on rail trail. And so anyway, so that was we the one to, day we didn't. So we took uh, we uh, left the rail trail. We went to that crazy trail that um Chris was first and my sister Genus was second and I was third and somehow I didn't wear my glasses too um I had them with me but I wasn't wearing it and it was very steep very rocky and we were going very very slow I was focused on myself to make sure that I don't up, fall uphill. we were going uphill and then only thing I heard that Genus was yelling that Jasmine fell Sima Jasmine fell like I couldn't see what's happening because I wasn't wearing glasses mm. So I just dropped my bike and ran up the hill with the speed that I can't imagine I would do even in a competition. Like they say that when you are a mom and something happens, you can even like flip a car. Like they say things like that. I think that's true. So I ran fast upstairs, up the hill. And I saw Jasmine's um, chariot. It was, it wasn't flipped over. No, it tipped on its side. I'd already picked it up by then. And then by then, when I went up the hill, she was already being held by Chris, but she was crying. And because I didn't see what happened, I just took her from Chris. I was like, what happened? What happened? And then I was like, why did you take this trail? You, so we can tell yeah. what happened. So yeah, in my, in my own defense, um, well, I realistically, I should have probably just got off and pushed the bike up the hill, but it was going really, really slow. And one of the washouts, it just happened to create a bit of a slope, sideways slope. And because a chariot stroller or trailer is not that wide for a single baby one, um, it just tipped over. But I mean, that's why they have a harness. And, you know, yeah, she's, he kept saying that. Oh, that's why you have a harness. She's eight months old and, you know, her head is strong and stuff. And she was fine. She just, I think it was the shock of tipping over and coming to a sudden stop and then you know she was picked up and she was fine and within a minute or two she was done crying and she was happy in her mom's arms and yeah so I realize now like I've I figured out the limitations of the width of the stroller you know especially if you're not on pavement then you got to be really careful if there's any um if there's a slope yeah lesson learned lesson learned have the helmet helmet on on, flag on make sure the baby's strapped (laughs) properly and um if it's very steep or rocky push your bike 
We did actually another time. We went um, off the trail. Yeah, so actually leaving the same town, uh, St. Agathe, the next okay. day. So we, we did better, and I got off my bike. I was pushing the trailer. I was just holding, holding the, the trailer, trailer yeah. to make sure that it's balanced, and then Chris was pushing his bike. And using my brakes and to control this. this time we were going downhill. Yeah. And um, so what was your favorite thing about traveling with a baby as a family, let's say? I think just the challenge of doing it. It's something that not everybody does. I know a lot of people have done even crazier things, but it's a challenge that we we did it. Like mm-hmm. we did 200 kilometers in our own way. Maybe some people would have done it like even better than us for sure. But yeah, I mean, we had easy aspects too. We didn't have to carry luggage because we had the trailer, um, like the, the camper trailer. And, you know, we just minimal carried like, it was a, I think it was a perfect first family trip. Yeah. You know? And I'm glad we did it because it would, it is also a first bike pack, um, bike tour, um, trip for Jasmine. And when she grows up, we have so many pictures and yeah. videos that we would show you, show her and say, Hey, you were only seven months old and we took you bike touring. Yeah. And, um, yeah, just the challenge was my favorite part. Like every day we've done X number of kilometers, so we're closer to kilometer zero mm-hmm. as a family. And and it's neat to have the counting because you can see the signs every kilometer. Oh, it's very every motivating. Five, every kilometer, yeah. Very, and I don't have a bike computer for whatever reason anymore. She sold so, it. Uh, <laughs> so it's good. So you know where you are. Yeah. Last thing, what's the next trip? Where are we going as a family next for bike touring? I like to go to Europe. Mm, me too. And I'm um, not sure if we can do it next summer, 2023 yeah, or mm. not. Um, also depends on the passport situations and everything. But I like to do it um, in in Europe. I've never been in Europe, so I really love to mm. go and visit some friends too. And I know Europe, again, is very safe. I um, realized that from listening to your past podcasts. And yeah. Um, I don't want to take the baby somewhere. I don't feel very safe because I've been to countries mm-hmm. that people don't drive um, carefully. They use the shoulder. They don't respect the cyclists. But I know that not everywhere, like some countries in Europe are very safe. Yeah. So I like to do it. Yeah, I think Europe and generalizing Europe is a really good place with all the Euro Velo routes to, to do a family exploration like this. And we're thinking probably Belgium, Holland, Germany, Northern Europe, like that, um, maybe Denmark, even Southern Sweden, where I used to live. And um, possibly bringing the folding bikes so we can fold them up, jump on a train and go somewhere as well and take shortcuts, whatever. It's our tour. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we are. We're very good at making plans last minute. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or no plans at all. Yeah. All right, baby. Seema, thank Thank you you so much. much for having me. I'm honored to be on bike tour adventures (laughs) podcast (laughs) all right so there you have it i thought it would be really neat to to incorporate my my sister-in-law and my wife into the ride cast uh to share their thoughts and feelings on it and um yeah there's one thing one gripe one complaint that i have against not just the petit trains now but uh quebec in general um while quebec is one of the nicest provinces to cycle in, in terms of infrastructure. They have put so much money into the Voie Verts, um, the, the green routes, whether it's seg- separated shoulders. Hold on one second, please. 
So yeah, while Quebec has spent a fortune improving the cycling infrastructure in the province, and and you can look and see the things going on in places like Montreal, which have you know traditionally been notorious for um, horrible, horrible cycling infrastructure. Now they've got so many bike routes and shared roads and lanes, and um, they've really, really, really gone hundred percent into to creating an environment that is encourages people to get on bikes and um makes you know people from good like pro cyclists to beginners feel comfortable and like away from the cars and and that's an amazing thing but my big 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 problem with quebec and it comes down to their language laws and and the one reason for me i'm bilingual it's not an issue but my problem is for for people from around the world you know that don't speak french they really, really miss out on a lot by by uh, the fact that Quebec doesn't translate placards and signs into English. Not that everybody in the world speaks English, but you know what I mean. Um, if you're from the rest of Canada and you come to Quebec on a bike tour and all of a sudden every historical sign that depicts what's going on here, or what this building was or what the view is, what you're looking at, every single one of them are purely in French because they're very protectionist about their language while the rest of the country has everything in French and English to show that we are one country with two languages. I think that's a little bit of horseshit. I think that it's, it's unfair and unjust that they, they have this way of bypassing the laws that the rest of the country has to follow in terms of bilingualism uh, which they call it as protecting our language and our history. But, you know, it's just not fair. It's not fair for if, if you don't know French, you can't look at a sign and read it and understand, oh, this is what this building is about. This is the history of this spot. You have to, like, use a translator on your phone or something just to make it happen. And that's not really ideal. And what if you don't have data? Or what if you, you know, what if you're old school and you don't really use a smartphone or whatever, you know? So anyways, that is my one gripe. Other than that, cycling in Quebec is amazing. The Petit Train du Nord is phenomenal. Um, I really want to get out there and ride it end to end in one shot. Um, that's definitely on my list. And probably next year, I think I'll get around to it some weekend. But yeah, that is, uh, that's that. Thank you for listening. And uh, if I, you are in Canada and you're looking for a really cool place to ride, I highly recommend the Petit Trains du Nord. Talk soon and keep on pedaling. Bye-bye. I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me to keep going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have comments or questions, you can email me at chris at biketouradventures.com or go to the website biketouradventures.com and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, blog posts, videos, and the touring tips page. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you're enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash bike tour adventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, helping me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and continue to produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated, and keep on pedaling.
I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me and keep me going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at bike at bikepackadventures.ca or go to bikepackadventures.ca and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, bikepacking routes throughout Canada, blog posts, videos, and touring tips. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you are enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash bikepackadventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, help me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated, and keep on pedaling. <laughs>